Hey everybody, this is Corey Harrington, your host of the Flip Connect Show. Today, we're going to talk about 2015. Six years ago. 2015 in my life in San Antonio, Texas as a real estate investor. At this point, it has been several years since I left my franchise. I had decided to do my own thing in my own way. Around 2012, 2013 would have been the time frame that I that I had, um, you know, left uh, left left the franchise. Created my own thing. I used good general aspects, non-proprietary, of the franchise in my new business. I, I I learned a lot from them. And they were a valuable tool for me at the time. I've paid my way. And I did not want to continue with that franchise. Because I feel I can do it better. And I ended up doing it better. It cost me a lot less. I had more control. I had greater negotiation positions with advertisers and others. To to get the best pricing for me. And I never looked back. I was very happy with my decision at that point in time, and uh, you know, so be it. I had a five-year franchise. I had left a franchise several years early. I had paid in full to that point, which I was done, and I was done. I was done. It was just better for me to do my own thing. I created House Buyers Direct, great brand. I used a cowboy. They used a uh, caveman. Um, I had my little belt buckle on the cowboy as my, uh, you know, avatar as my my character, like the Geico Gecko kind of thing. And uh, yeah, had my own site. Did pretty decent price points on negotiating for advertising. I saved a ton of money paying for my own advertising. And, you know, it, it really, um, really helped me out a lot. Helped me maintain my cash flow. Helped me be able to, uh, if I want to, slow down or purchase less properties, although I sped up. But, um, you know, with, with less overhead is less... Um, less expense greater profitability on each deal you do that trickles down into um, spending more on advertising if you so choose to have higher volume to provide better price points to the seller of the property because you have less overhead to cover you know when you buy a house you have to factor in the overhead this is from a professional's perspective if you're working full-time and you get paid and you know you're, you're putting in a few hours on your on your breaks you know, to uh, in moonlight this thing, then you you have virtually no substantial expense outside of advertising. So, but with me, you know, everything is an expense. So, uh, yeah, great move, best move I've made, best move by far. Um, I learned some. I definitely was able to do greater volume of transactions quicker through the franchise had I gone it alone. And frankly, I think without them at the onset, I I wouldn't have had early success. 
So hats off to them. Um, I came to a point where I was not receiving, for me, I wasn't receiving useful mentoring um, and consulting in the business overall. Uh, things that I desperately needed and wanted and sought out that was that, that was that was not available to me. The the, the there's a lot of things that um, that changed within the franchise agreements as well that made them less attractive. Um, and also by going on my own, I saved substantially on um, on advertising costs and on the revenue share, which I would not have to share anything. Um, so, so that was my decision with that. Uh, 2015, uh, where was I going with that? Cause I was talking about the franchise and exiting the franchise several years prior, uh, 2015, more the same, I guess 2015 really probably just more the same. I will talk about a bad, uh, it's probably one of my last bads. I don't have too many bads, but I, I I'm going to bring them all up. So I've brought up every single, you know, unfavorable, bad scenario, um, every single one of them, and I've brought up only a handful of good, you know, success stories, because I, this is more of a bio, this is more of a, you know, I want to talk about the failures and what we can do to improve what I've learned from them. So this was my first real loss, well, how do I put this? I had a partnership that didn't go so well. It wasn't in 2015, but it took until 2015 to, to finish up um, our disagreements. You know, we had we had a suit. They they, they sued me. Um, we were partners on three properties. One of the properties did phenomenal. The second one did a little bit less as good. The third one, according to them, took a loss of about $15,000. So, what happened was the first partnership, the, the deal is I find the property, they partner in 50-50, they pay all of my upfront expenses that I already incurred, I pay in advance, so I don't ask for them a dime upfront, but when I have a deal under contract, if they want to partner in with me doing a joint venture, receiving 50% of my proceeds, the hardest part was already done, which is getting the house under contract. Everything else, although construction is is a difficult and challenging task, uh, very labor-intensive, it is not the hardest thing. The hardest thing is getting the right deal, the right numbers under contract and under your full control to acquire. That is number one, the brass ring. That's where you want to... That's where there's, That's where the control comes from. That's where the success lies, is in that the power of that contract. So I bring a partner into the contract, they pay for my marketing. I had calculated at that time what I was paying approximately for a deal, which included my advertising, um, overhead, and uh, commission that I would pay to a buyer. Um, that would work. You know, that if that buyer worked for me and put the house under contract, there'd be a commission that they'd receive, and then they'd receive a draw against commissions as well, and you know, gas and other expenses. So. Overall, I spent a little less than $5,000 per, per deal. So advertising was, was a fraction of that. Um, the commission was a fraction of that, so on and so forth. I think my number was 
50 or it was some number that was roughly rounded and uh we just called it a day so plus or minus every single deal that's that's what the that's what the buy-in is the buy-in is part of their expenses at that point in time i should have excluded it but you know I was I wanted to get as many partnerships as I could, and I felt that it was fair at the time and under those circumstances, um, made a lot of sense. We would uh, they would receive their uh, their investment back. So if if they paid me out, uh, they would they would basically come into the contract. Their buy into the partnership would be you know the forty six thousand forty six hundred five four hundred uh, four thousand six hundred and fifty dollars would be their buy-in, uh, they would receive a payout, um, first payout from any proceeds on our deal, first would go to that money that they, they, they paid in, that was their first expense, second would go to every other expense that was paid paid out during construction, during the acquisition, during down payment, everything else. Partner is the financial partner, the, ge- the limited partner is the financial partner, the general partner, me, I ran the show. I found the deal. I put the contract together. I pitched the contract to them. They had an opportunity to do the due diligence and research everything. We had multiple conversations, research, experts come out to look at the property, and on and on and on to make the deal work. When they decided to partner up, uh, we would would come together, and they would write that check to our company. Um, Then uh, soon thereafter, they go to closing, close it, the deal. And, and we would have a 50-50 partnership. I was a general partner there, a limited partner. We're great. Those deals, almost every single one of them, this is one that didn't work great. Um, there was one other that also didn't work great, but to a much lesser extent, we just agreed to kind of part ways. And, and you know, she, um, I, I, I just gave her the property. Um, she had given me money, and it was a decent exchange. We kind of just went our separate ways. Um, there's a major language barrier with that one too. It was, it was, that was the only thing I can attribute to that. It was a slow sale. It was taking a little while to sell the house, but everything was, you know, constructed well. The deal was good. Everything was going fine, but it was just taking longer than anticipated to sell the house at the price point that we agreed to. And, you know, we had to lower the price point. So, you know, I set out a projection on what we're going to sell it for. Instead of a range, it was a specific number, but I did not, you know, intend for that to be this exact who knows exactly what's going to close on but we we have to put a number up there and i try to make it as, as accurate as possible um the house was every bit worth that it was appraised at that value i don't recall what it was but uh what the dollar value was but it was appraised and i i put the price point there i had recommendations i had an agent at the time that um, suggested a price point as well and that was all in line and so we put out a conservative price point um and we estimate a time of completion for construction, a time of sale based on past sales experience, based on past sales length and history, and construction price points, and so on and so forth. But these are estimates. This is not guaranteed, ironclad. And I think that that was probably where we, um, you know, where the misunderstanding uh, came in. And and at, and at that point, uh, I just, I just agreed to her wishes, you know, that we just kind of walk away and, and, um, I, you know, that, that was fine. So, um, I didn't lose any money. Um, she, she kept the property. 
and that it, it worked out for both of us. I just I wanted a happy experience with her, and um, as I do with everybody, and and you know, so I just agreed to uh, to disagree with our perceptions of each other on on what we meant by you know this house will sell in such such time for such and such price. I I didn't guarantee that. Uh, that was my projection. That was not a guarantee written in stone because I don't control who buys it. I don't control the market. I just try to estimate it the best I can. The other partnership that went bad, where we where where we allegedly lost the money on it. Um, at that point, I ran the first one really well. I did my own construction. I hired the same guys on the second job. They didn't perform so well in terms of the amount of work they were doing, the time frames. We had a lot of bad weather, so they couldn't do a lot of stuff on the outside. Um, and there were delays on other projects across the, the city, I assume, from them. that You know, if there's rain outs, then that, pull, that holds them back on multiple jobs. So it just slows things down. That pace wasn't agreeable to my partner. And my partner and I, the reason why that one didn't make a good fit so those are the two models that I realized, you know, fully, fully understanding and getting through the language barrier was, was one of those related, one of those partnerships that didn't work out. The other one was just a complete lack of trust between partners and a complete different approach to business. And so that's where the trust broke down. Um, for me, that first uh, property, you know, went well on time, on schedule. That's great. They don't always work that way. Most of them do not. And you work through those things. They're problematic. But you, you, when you have a problem, you address it swiftly. You address it in a, in a reasonable manner. Um, and you, you work out a solution that's, that's good for everybody as best it can be. And it has to focus on your bottom line. If it's not good for your bottom line, it's not good for everybody. It's not good for the partners. Uh, but I try to find a balance between the partners, the vendors, and uh, and myself. So when those agreements cannot be met, people will get upset. And it's understandable. But we need to work through them and move forward. That didn't happen in this case. The, the deal, um, the second property that we did uh, coincided with the third at the same time. So the second property started construction and then a month month and a half later maybe the third property started construction so at this point my partner and his wife were very upset about the process about why i would not lean on them extra hard to get them to do the work you can't force them and i was on i was in communication with them daily but they had some legitimate setbacks in other projects and had we just let go of the crew, regardless of the reason, and find a new crew, we would be waiting much longer um, for that for the new crew to come in, to find the right crew. And we still may even have problems with that crew, so we may as well just do work with our existing crew because it wasn't a problem that couldn't be solved. It was simply you know, bad weather and, and, and timing and workload that needed to be managed. So, you know, so that was that. And then they just basically said, you know what, we want to take over. We've, we've done very well on our own without anyone else's help. And, um, you know, basically what 
my choice to let them slide, which was not the case, but my choice to let them, you know, not work on the rainy days and allow them a little bit extra time to get caught up with everything else is something I really had to do. I I didn't have a choice. I could yell and scream. They just wouldn't show up. And if I hired new people, it would take that much longer to, 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 you know, get them in there and work. And then there still may be problems. So, you know, there was no legitimate reason, no reasonable solution that I didn't think of in this scenario. They would have chosen to pull everyone off and start the work themselves. Now, at that point in my career, I didn't know how to do all that construction. I knew... I knew about the timelines. I, I've witnessed multiple foundation jobs. I know the the work cadence and the pricing and everything else, you know, how to communicate with these guys. But I can't go in there and do the work myself. Not at all. That was that was not where I came from. I have a finance background, not a construction background. And so that was my, that was my headspace at the time. Now I can do pretty much everything. Uh, you just pick it up over time. And plus I grew interested and felt some satisfaction in, in doing some of the work some of the times, you know. But we'll get into that too, kind of avoiding doing too much DIY later on. Um, someone can comment on that and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll discuss something with that later on. But uh, at any rate, the uh, partnership, you know, they said, okay, we just, we just, want, we just want to take over full control of the construction. And since they were the ones paying the construction bills, they had asked that um, I, you know, return any unused capital so they can use that for construction and move down, you know, move on with that. Now, the biggest problem I had with this is once I lose control of construction, I can't control costs. I can't control, I can't control anything. You know, what I brought to the table on that end was, was good project management at that point. I was... I was pretty decent at, um, at at doing that and having people around that were experts that can help me in that area. And they were do-it-yourselfers do where they'd go out and actually do most of the renovation, the husband would. And so, yeah, they just changed their mind. Said, you know what, this is not the way I would do it. I don't want, if he doesn't do it exactly the way we do it, then it's not a good partnership. So that was not a good fit. I do not want to partner with somebody that needs all the decisions to go through them because what am I here for? Um, the value that I bring to the table is not being utilized and that's an inef- inefficient. And, you know, I, I want to ensure that we make a profit on this deal and and do what it takes to, to keep the project moving on time, on budget, as best we can. And um, you have an excellent exit strategy, marketing, sales, campaign and get this thing sold for the best price we can or keep it as a rental or uh, sell it finance and carry a note of the other things I do. So we parted ways. I was sued for uh, $50,000 for mental anguish. Uh, I was sued for the loss of $14,000 and some change that they said they had lost from, you know, taking over the job and doing their own construction um a lot large part of that was that the partner had um you know the 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 husband had um had taken over general contracting duties and was paying himself 50 dollars an hour 
you know that's that that was never agreed to in our in our partnership agreement either but um at any rate you know that's fine those so those are the bad ones those are the bad stories and a lot of that i would attribute both to communication breakdown one is we didn't quite have it at the beginning uh, with with you know the lady that did not speak english and i did not speak spanish um, and I had we had interpreters to some degree most of the time, but it was it was a struggle to try to get on the same page, and it was a misinterpretation of um, how quickly a property would sell at the price point that I suggested. Um, that being written in stone and guaranteed, which I'd never do, which was her expectation uh, apparently, and that was her point of um, you know being upset. And she was actually a referral of the other people that ended up suing me. So they were talking at the same time. So she, they may have said something about me at that time as well. You know, that I let the contractors walk all over me or whatever the worst case scenario would be. Um, so when they wanted to take over construction, I asked to be to walk away. That um, I will just walk away. You keep the profit on on the third property. Um you know, you run it from, to completion. It just started, so, you know, you finish it, you do whatever you do, and I'm just going to walk away from that one altogether. They agreed to that. We all walked away. They had issues with the con- contractor um, and ended up firing their contractor and um, had problems and wanted to, to sue their contractor and wanted me to go to court and testify against the contractor and I disagreed with that because I don't feel the contractor acted out of malice or did the wrong things. Since I disagreed, they then in turn sued me um, on, on the same, in the same vein as they sued the contractor, stating that you know I was involved or in cahoots with the contractor. Otherwise, why would I not testify against them? I wouldn't testify against them because it was the wrong thing to do. I knew that they were working in their, you know, the best they could at that point in time. I didn't see any issues with them when I was working with them. I have nothing to complain about. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, I had to stand by and protect the people that are doing the right things. So, you know, I'm not a martyr or anything, but that was, those were the stories. Those are the bad ones. And uh, those are the bad partnerships. All the other ones were great. All the other ones worked well. You know, some of them were more fun than others. Some of them were uh, more rewarding than, than others. Um, you know, some of them were more profitable than others. So, so there's, there's, you know, there's a balance. But overall, it, it was, it was a good strategy. It's something that I enjoyed, something that I had success with, and I would continue to do, and uh, will continue to do in the future. So, it is now 23 minutes later. I am parked at home. And I'm going to turn this thing off. This is Corey Harrington with the Flip Connect Show. Look forward to hearing from you next time.